On today's episode of the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, we have a special Valentine's Day edition for you. We'll name one thing we love and hate about our lovely Chicago sports teams. Time to break and mend sports hearts at the same time on episode 45 now. Welcome in to the Believe in Chicago Sports Podcast, your home for the best Chicago sports talk. I'm Joey Gelman. You can follow me on Twitter at Joey Gelman. The man on the other side of the Skype is Dan Collins. You can follow him at TweetDanCollins. The show Believe in Chicago Sports is also on Twitter at Believe in Chicago, part of the Believe Podcast Network, the number one podcast network for professionals. As Dan mentioned, love is in the air. I hope you got all your chocolates and flowers and heart-shaped things in the house. Because it is a Valentine's Day show, even though we're post-Valentine's, we are still allowed to do it, damn it. And we're going to talk about everything we love and hate about our Chicago sports teams. Hate's kind of a strong word. I like more of like, we love and the broken hearts of our Chicago sports teams, why they're letting us down. Maybe that's a little softer. I was going to say, love is in the air until you mention the thing you hate. Right, that's a little rough. Team. Then you're just pissed off. Right, which is normal for me. So, <laughs> we'll have to see where this goes. Uh, but thank you guys for joining us on today's show. And we're going to jump into baseball with this topic because we got to get some hope on the horizon. The warm weather hopefully is coming. So, we're jumping into Cubs and Sox. And because the Sox are the more fun team in this town right now, we're going to do the Chicago White Sox. What are the things that you love, and what are the things they've done that have, you know, broken that oh-so-fragile heart of yours? Oh, you want me to go? Oh, I'll go. Either way. <laughs> you got to throw it over to the south oh, side. We're missing no, our cues already. You, oh, you're good. If you want to start south side, I'm your man. Um, all right. I guess this is going to be an easy one for me. I, I hate saying the word hate, but if there's one thing that kind of pulled my heartstrings in a negative way this offseason. Of course, it was the handling of hiring a, the new manager in TLR, Tony La Russa. I'm, I've gotten a little over the fact that he is the manager, and I'm trying my hardest as just a fan to be optimistic and say, you know what, this team and the way it was built, they deserve more optimism from the fan side, right? I think you would agree with me, Joey, than it is. I'm not going to go in super pessimistic and super grumpy, this year into White Sox baseball just because of the manager in town isn't necessarily the one the consensus of the fan base would have wanted. Um, but it's weird. It's it's more or less the handling, right, of how they picked or maybe one person picked, you know, the the new manager in Tony La Russa, bringing him out of retirement, his good old Hall of Fame self, Hall of Fame baseball person, um, and, and, ass- and assigning him the role of the manager of this team. Um, so it be more that. It's just the way it was handled. It, you you know very well, and we've talked about it multiple times on this show, just how weird it was. Definitely doesn't feel or seem and pretty much kind of could come to the assumption that it's not right a, a Rick Hahn choice that wasn't at the end of the day what you trust you would have ultimately done. There was a few other things that just look like went down there. Um, so, yeah, I would say it's just the handling of it and just crushing the expectation. It. it, it just right away almost, right? Like we, we were barely getting into the offseason. You just wanted nothing but good White Sox news. And that was just a bunch of, eh. like it was just very blah, right? I mean, the way that it was covered by media local and beyond nationwide, just nothing was very optimistic 
about it. So I think that's an easy one. I, I think we'll agree. I'll, I'll let you go and speak for yourself, of course. Um, and then you know how I always get with these things, Joey. I have a very basic thing that I like, and it's not even a specific moment or signing. But for me, and this might catch you a little bit by surprise, it's just the idea of finally being able to see this upcoming season Michael Kopech back in the rotation, right? It's been feels like forever since the last time you've seen him pitch for the Chicago White Sox. And even the last time we saw him, it was just a very small dose, right? We still don't really know what we have for Michael Kopech, what we have in Michael Kopech. So for me, I'm just falling in love with the expectation of this team, more specifically on a micro level, where we could be as a starting rotation, right? Where now you have a guy like Michael Kopech coming back in. And how does he fit in? Is he... The third guy? Is he the fourth? Is he, is he behind Lance Lynn, right? Or is he ahead of Lance Lynn? Do you figure that out? Which I'm sure you do probably during spring training. But it's the idea of what this team could be. Obviously, I love that. More specifically, if I just had to pick one thing out that's in my interest right now, I think it's the idea of how he could play a factor because we'll talk about this more as we get into spring training and you know more baseball-related topics down the road. But I feel he could be the X factor. I really do, and I don't think I'm going to be of the minority when I say he is potentially the X factor to see if the White Sox can get deep into the postseason and perhaps bring some hardware home. Love it, hate it. But say I love that because you're going already in a player breakdown and you're trying to begin the process of falling in love with this team, and that's all you want as yeah. a fan because they're going to be that much fun, you hope, this year. So that's awesome. Uh, for mine, that is uh you know breaking joey's heart is the same as yours but in a little bit of a different lens of of is the tony la russa higher and everything and i'm i'm less so on how it was i mean was i angry about how it was handled yes and how they cut rick Hahn off of the knees yes but i'm just more disappointed in that no take the baseball out of it that they felt he was the right person as as an individual for this job in the environment and the climate we are in and what is valued from a character perspective, both by the players that are employed by that organization and just anyone in the country, the fact that they were so willing to kind of pass that off as not really as important and pick their friend that they knew when he had a history of of controversial remarks and attitudes towards minority players, when he is coming into this job with a DUI, his second one coming in here, and did not view that as kind of a a bigger red flag than it was. It's kind of that 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 privilege lens. And that's where it just was frustrating to me with that hire is it was just kind of a old boys club manager that was hired by another old boys club and putting all of the controversy, you know, aside when in, in reality, like, it's really important. And I think, you know, when you saw Marcus Strobin tweet about it when this whole thing first started, if you're someone who's you know, not really on social media or doesn't know who Marcus Stroman is, you know, that means nothing to you. But to everyone else in the baseball world, is the premier free agent that goes, I'm not coming to your team because of what your manager stands for. And that's a really big demerit and black mark on your on your organization when you condone that. So that's where my frustration comes with that. And from the baseball perspective, the the love in it is just a simple thing of the Liam Hendricks signing. I mean, I know it sounds silly that one thing could make me happy like that, but 
I, I, I truly thought, you know, after the La stuff, everything that was going on, the Sox were going to kind of stay quiet and be done. And if you take the baseball perspective from it, you'd go into that argument that everyone's done for years. Well, Reinsdorf's cheap. He's not going to commit. You saw what the Cubs were doing where they slashed payroll. And he goes out and spends quality money on a premier reliever, which is the move you make when you're in the running for a World Series. And for that, I, I, I can't not be happy about it and warm your heart because it shows that they're real serious about this and they want to win it this year. And that's all you can ask for, even as a Cubs fan in my shirt, uh, that's all you can ask for if you're you know, a Sox fan. Fair enough. I love it. So that takes us here. We're going to hop on the red line now. Get the hearts pumping. Boom, 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 boom. Off on Addison we are. And brings us to the north side of town. I'll tell you right away what I hate, right? What I'm a, If I were to be, and I'm not a Cubs fan, but if I were, I would be the pissed off, just angry, angry, uh, what would you be, lover or significant other at the time of, of um, if, if we're just doing a whole Valentine's Day mesh with this show. I'd be upset because... Of all the BS, right, that it seems like they're throwing out there. It seems like you've just been lied to, right, so far in this early on relationship with new ownership, that being the Ricketts. Yeah, um, I know. relationships are about honesty, man, right? That's the whole – There you go. Love is and, in the air of the relationship, and they're lying. Well, they had you at first. It seemed like you know it was going to be some big moves, and then all of a sudden, it's almost like a bait and switch. Like, no, yeah, we will invest in this relationship, and things are going to get better, and we're in this for the long call, and it seems like – now the switch is, it's just for all the wrong reasons, right? Just for their own ac- economic and selfish gain. Who knows? Maybe we're wrong. Uh, but all signs are pointing that way, right? Of course, yeah, we are making some assumptions here. But if you want to just connect the dots, which we've done a few times on this show, seems like they're the the talent level or the position of the baseball team is not necessarily numero uno, right? <laughs> the product they're putting out on the field is not necessarily number one on the list of things they want to accomplish the most, right? Everything it seems like just pure economic gain. And once again, bait and switch, right, is is what it, it really feels like. I think as a Cub fan, you were setting yourself up for higher expectations. And you were, when this thing first started to really climb here, and then you even flip it back to 2016, there was so much optimism. One, because of how young that core was and two because you felt that no matter what the money will be spent to even if you had to let a few pieces go you're going to spend the money to replace it with whatever it needed to be via free agency via sign and trade you name it right you were always i feel like cup fans were comfortable if you rewind just a few years back on just a very sustainable winning team and now you don't know if you have that. <laughs> and I think if you're a Cup fan, you would really hate it. Um, and I digress. I know, Joe, you could definitely get into that even more than I have because maybe maybe we don't have a similar pick here. I have a feeling it's it's somewhere around there. Maybe I'm wrong. But one thing that I love, right, just, just the idea of it, and it's something that's come up into the news lately, is the possible reunion with Jake Arrieta. Why? Not necessarily because of what he could do for that pitching staff, because who knows? You, you fill him in now. Maybe he's just your four or five guy, really, right? I mean, talent-wise, I don't really know how much Arietta has to uh, you know, give um, on the north side nowadays. He's 100% not going to be the Jake Arietta of old, who just dominated right before you said goodbye and brought in you, who now you said goodbye to this season. Um, but for me, it's just more of a – which I think is the reason – 
you know, you see his name linked possibly with the Cubs in a reunion is just a cool guy, right? Fan favorite type of dude for the most part, what you read pretty cool in the clubhouse and fans love him. He was the kind of guy I remember hearing stories where if he was just doing things, you know, marketing wise for the Cubs or, you know, with other, with other groups out there, just making appearances and whatnot is he'd stick around, just hang out, talk to fans, be real cool. So that type of athlete, someone who has just that type of humbleness or coolness about them, by all means, come on back to the city. So just his name being linked with the club, I love it. Once again, is it because he's going to improve the team on the field? Not necessarily, but fan favorite. And at this point, <laughs> I think as a Cub fan, you'll take what you could get, right? I mean, like I said, it's not necessarily going to boost up the talent level, but I feel like Cub fans are already thrown in the towel a little bit. So if you could at least get a fan favorite back in town, why not? Yeah, I like that. And, you know, the the Ricketts thing is such a it's funny parallel. Like we're talking about, okay, if you view it in the Valentine's Day relationship lens, it's you started out real great, and then you got to know each other a little better, and you realize, wow, this is not working out at all. There you go. And now you're suffering the consequences of it because – you can't break up with the Cubs. I can't break up with the Cubs. So it's it's a tough one. So now you're just in a toxic relationship right. is what you're telling Right, which is not good. Okay, not good at all. And we're in quarantine. What the hell's going on here? See, that's how they get you back. Oh, but we have Wrigley. And then they, all right, I remember the good. No, wait, you're trying to swindle me into getting into this relationship again. Look at all this I can offer you, yeah. Right? Look at all, look at all this. Outside of what you really want, which right. is a good baseball team on the field. <laughs> wow. We could psychoanalyze this for hours. But, uh... My my breaking heart scenario is similar, but it's just really just the one move of the Darvish trade. I think it's just – it was one of those just gut punches of like the, – the, the, I guess it's a gut punch you haven't felt in let's say six or seven years of how, you know, the Cubs building, 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 like you said, get to the pinnacle. They're still supposed to be competing in that upper echelon of the league and for them to not even tell you they're going to rebuild and then, you know – you kind of got some inklings that it wasn't going to be as competitive this year, but to kind of do that one right from under you is just rough. And that's why it's funny that they're bringing back Arietta because it's like you're going full circle on something that you're just cheapened out on in the second. It's just, it, it's ugly. So I think that's a bad one for me. It's, it. I don't know. It's like, someone's bringing back up, I forget what it was, but about Marion Hosa. And it's like, when you remember when they signed him and it was him or Martin Havlat, and Havlat was a really good player for the Hawks, but he wasn't the guy that was going to get them to the World Series, get the World Series, get them to the Stanley Cup. And they made the tough decision to sign Hosa, and it was the best thing they ever did. And while, well, yes, Arietta won a World Series here, they went on and said, you know what? At this point, Darvish is our best option to get us to that World Series for the next four years. And to not see the outcome of that, or even try to see the outcome of that, I think is what's so frustrating, is they're kind of waved the white flag with that move. And I think that's really rubbed people the wrong way because now suddenly there's more money because of the bad PR they got. I don't know. I don't know if I believe it. But we'll have to wait and see. And and the love thing, I know it's kind of weird, but even if they are kind of half-ass rebuilding, I love that they kept Chris Bryant. I know people are out on him. I, I, I get it. He's not been what he's supposed to be the last couple of years. Injuries haven't helped that. But... I still hold a, I don't know if it's just nostalgia or what, but I still hold a big place in my heart for him. 
and he's still young and in the prime of his career to where he can truly turn it around and get back to MVP form. And so I'm happy that they're giving him that that chance to, to kind of have a prove-it year to keep his spot with this team and prove once again why he was so valuable to them in their in their first rebuild. So I'm, I'm happy to have that. And selfishly, I have a Chris Bryant jersey that I can keep now because he's still with the team. Unlike my Nomar Garcia Parra jersey, my Alfonso Serrano jersey, my Mark Pryor jersey, my Kerry Wood jersey. This is why I stopped buying jerseys after the age of 10. <laughs> it's never a good thing, apparently, with... I think we talked about this... Was it off the podcast last time where we brought up Nolan Arenado, who signs a 100-year deal and then gets traded the following year anyways? Right. Or what? whatever. Yeah, just... Good. There's, there's a few players out there who sign these big contracts and then they get traded anyways. Like, there was any time you would think, now I buy the jersey it would have been there when a player inks to 10 plus years but then if they're gone in a year or two big whoop-de-doo all right that takes us over to the united center now we'll get out of see it's it's terrible weather here if you're if you're one of the which i'm assuming a chicago listener um for listening to this podcast but who knows maybe you're listening from anywhere around the country but city of chicago right now very cold very snowy we want to start with baseball because that's what's going to warm our hearts but now we'll go indoors into the united center switch it over to to the chicago bulls i love right i I could go with an easy one of and i think we even mentioned this before back when we did like a thanksgiving what are we thankful for show we're just thankful that they were entertaining enough to watch right so with that I'll, i'll transition a little further go a little bit more of a micro picture and i love the idea of zach levine me trusting that he's going to put up, um, amongst other good stats, 20 to 30, 25 to maybe 35 plus points a game, right? And that he's taking charge and he's trying to be an alpha, an A1 in the NBA. He's even trying to show that he could be the main guy, right, on a team. And I don't know if, if you're a championship contender, if he's going to be your main dude, even though, once again, we had a conversation like this last year when Jimmy Butler basically took the heat into the finals. Granted, they didn't win the ding, but you know, it's it's somebody like that who doesn't have to be a legit A1 superstar. Can you still win on the heels of a player like that? And when you're watching the Bulls so far this year, it's weird. It's entertaining, but at the same time, you know that they do have an opportunity to get better but not necessarily maybe even close to as they're assembled now. There still might be, for all you know, in three or four years, a completely different team out there. Sure, one that has progressed, but you don't know with Larry Markinen. You don't even know what Wendell Carter Jr. White probably does stick around, but you don't even know. Like, There's no guarantees, really, with anybody on that roster. Heck, Zach Levine isn't really even technically a guarantee, but he's making a strong, strong case for it, and whoever you could bring in... To me, it would have to be another superstar to tally up with him if you really eventually want to make a playoff run at this thing. Because, by goodness, <laughs> that's exactly what we want as Bulls fans, right? Is we finally want to get back into the postseason, but with a good squad that could, you know, hold their own once they do finally get there. Not just squeak in and then you're you're gone in a round or two. Even if it's, you know, even if you do put up a good fight in the first round. So for me, I love the idea that I could put in a Bulls game. And have some pretty good confidence that as long as Zach Levine is somewhat on, he's going to score me 25 to 35 plus points. Um, now, if you want to go to something I hate about it, you could call this a little cheap or not, but I've already mentioned it. It's when I'm watching a game, I just hate the idea of I'm trying to kind of even analyze it and we're and like try to figure out where they are moving forward. 
But I'll be completely honest, and Joey, maybe you can even help me out with this as we do this sitting on the couch psychoanalysis spiel with this whole thing, is I don't know where the hell this team is going, right? I know they got in significantly better. They're playing a lot more freer under a new head co- under a new manager or head coach, I should say, in Donovan. Getting my sports mixed together now. Um, but I just don't it, – it's so hard to kind of like – forecast will they'll even be next year in terms of a roster assembly so i guess me someone who is just getting overexcited in what this team could potentially be right because like i said i just want them better and i want them better as quick as possible right i'm ready for some good bulls basketball because we haven't had it since the derrick rose era and we know how that tragically like it was just terrible right how, how that went because you had the multiple derrick rose injuries and now he's making his reunion back with the Knicks, right? He's bouncing around teams, and that's how that went. But so yeah, that, that's that's what I, I hate, and hate's a strong word for it. But if there's anything that makes me just upset as a sports fan, is I guess I'm just upset with not knowing where the hell this team is going, even though they are more entertaining than last year. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I think it's fair, but I think this year for the Bulls, at least for me, like I wasn't expecting anything. Like I, it, like they're yeah. not. <laughs> they're not in almost year one of a rebuild or year three of a rebuild. Like they're just in this year, and it's a it's like limbo it. almost. Right, exactly. And they're prove it's a prove it year for every single guy in this roster because they had no way to shed salary. They were stuck with this team, but having a completely different management and coaching staff. That's the biggest thing they changed. So it's just see what you got, and then you start this thing next year. You because you have to do it that way. At least I think. Yeah. I don't know, but what would you uh, say you love? What I love, you love. No, I, I, I love Billy Donovan. I, I, I think, you know, you mentioned they're playing so much freer, and it, it's amazing to see how big of a difference there is in how they play this year and last year. I'm not talking about winning games. I'm not talking about getting the playoffs. Just how they play and how they also respect their head coach. That's a big deal, and so I think it's, you know, it, there's always a debate of how much coaches or managers influence games anymore in certain sports uh, because the athletes are so much better or the games you know more statistically driven and it's not necessarily gut for baseball what have you but you're really seeing how big of an influence billy Donovan has on this bulls team because they are playing hard for him and in a whole new way that you haven't seen in five years well if anything and that's what they're saying is whether you look at from the analytics on the baseball side or even as it gets more into the, you know, and things in the NBA, head coach, manager, you know, whatever sport it is you're talking about, one of the big things is going to be how you manage the clubhouse, how you manage the locker room. Because a lot of people could bring the right guy in the right mind, you know, the right set of film, the right set of strategies, the analytics the whole thing and as long as you're intelligent enough and know enough about the sport that said candidate could put together you would think a feasible game plan now i don't even know if boylan was able to do that but anyways just going into the characteristics of a good coach that's probably the main thing then is there's enough of those minds out there that could get the data that could break down the film and put forth a good strategy but who are the ones who are going to be able to manage the locker room manage the talent or manage the clubhouse depending on the sport right so i think you're right on with that yeah, it took some took some courage, but they blew up everything and did it right. I mean, they they really are gaining respect around the league again. It's something you couldn't say for the past ten years, so it's it's nice to see. And 
the biggest thing that's upsetting to me for this team is the Lowry Markkanen regression. I know he's got some injury stuff, but it's kind of scary to think what he was as a rookie and even sophomore season and what he's kind of turned into right now. And he's still really young. There's plenty of time. If there's ever a coaching staff and management to repurpose all their efforts to developing it, developing properly, it's this one. But, you know, I, I know we're removed from guard packs, but not far enough. And so I, I just get concerned, you know, when it's like I get like PTSD from it. It's real. Uh, but I, I get concerned, you know, when you look back at the Jimmy Butler trade and you go, okay, if we're sitting here, Chris Dunn's gone. Marketing is a shell of himself right now. Again, can't turn it around, not losing hope, but if, let's say, it doesn't work out. Okay, that's two. Levine's a third, and he's having a kick-ass year, but it also goes back to the question of what you said of how big of an alpha can he be on this team, or for any team that matter, and how much do you commit to him if you're truly remolding this entire team in a new vision and direction? And so to, to see... Markin's regression and also to come out of that big of a trade almost with nothing to show for it that's brutal and so I know moving forward they got the right guys in place to to build it properly but that just kind of stings a little bit that that's really not working out right now and it and it you know speaks volumes to what they were and hopefully what they won't be ever again which is the laughing stock and getting swindled by everyone else in the league no well thought out I I think those are very those are two very good points um for, for me, if we transition over to the ice and the other team, the Uniteds and the Chicago Blackhawks, I don't think you're going to like this one. I don't even hate it. It's just something that if you're in a relationship and if there's something about your partner that really bores you, it would be any time Jeremy Colleton is behind a microphone, right? Whether it be a press conference or not even behind a microphone, even on the even on the bench, just everything about him besides looking like he belongs in, on the front cover of GQ, Hockey GQ, if there was one is just so boring. And considering the talent on the ice that he has with the Chicago Blackhawks this year, I think he's doing an okay enough job. I mean, I don't think he's doing splendid, but, I mean, you look at it. I was looking at it just recently. What is it, four out of five? Correct me if I'm wrong. You know what? I'm just going to go on ahead and look at that. I believe winners are four out of their last five games, so it's pretty impressive. That's actually – I'll get into it on one thing I love about Blackhawks hockey, but there's one thing that – not necessarily that I hate, but just – bores me so much is it's just the persona of Jeremy Carlton and maybe he's a great guy maybe he's super cool and just an awesome human to be around prop maybe who knows <laughs> but in terms of just anytime you have to hear him talk about Blackhawks hockey I'm sorry it's just a little bit of a snooze fest so that's where I have to go yeah him plus Dan Bowman aren't really the rah-rah type of uh, motivator yeah, I mean, it's funny as a fan and or if you're somebody in the media, you, you always want transparency. You always want to hear from them in the most transparent way, whether it be front office or a coach. And for somebody like that, it's like, oh, I don't really care what you got to say. Just to say it so boringly. So just go on about your business. But hey, you know, he, he's got this team recently playing pretty all right hockey. So kudos to him. It's just if there's one thing that bores me about the guy, it's anytime he's really kind of talking Blackhawks hockey. Um, there's one thing that I love is I personally, and maybe there's not a, maybe I, I just was completely wrong about this going in, but I had extremely low expectations with Chicago Blackhawks hockey. And as I mentioned, winners four out of their last five games above 500 record to me, even though we're very early on in the season, 
that's good enough <laughs> for right now, right? If, if we're just strictly looking at the hockey season where we stand now, they're exceeding my expectations because they were incredibly low, right? I thought this was going to be – I thought we were going to go back to the years of like, you know, what, 2000 to uh, 2003. I'm trying to think of like my preteen, you know, years of like barely getting into Blackhawks hockey and how they, they weren't necessarily all too good. Uh, I thought we were going to have one of those years where you just see a stinker. And who knows? Maybe it will become that. You know, maybe they're on a pretty decent streak right now, and maybe maybe things start rolling downhill. Maybe they don't. But if they could stay within 500-ish or whatnot, and considering the era of Blackhawks hockey we're coming out of, no, that's like definitely not what you're used to as a Chicago Blackhawks fan. But it's not awful, right? It's not like you turn on the TV, the Blackhawks game is on, and you immediately look for a different option, right? You're not looking for an alternative. So... If there's one thing actually both of these teams at the United Center have in common, that being the Bulls and the Blackhawks, it's the Bulls very watchable. And the Hawks, while not the, far from being the best team in town, they still have the stink fest that I thought they would be. And maybe my expectations were, were very off, right? Maybe, maybe to some this is par. Maybe this is par for the course. But for me, I just like that they're not an automatic flip of the switch. So that's what I'll go with there. Jeremy Carlton, think, thanks for having the boys play pretty well as of late. Kind of boring, but more to that, they're playing pretty well as of late. You go, boys. Uh, yeah, no, I, I I think that's kind of the the nice surprise this year. What makes you feel good is that that as much as they're in this rebuild, they're playing fun hockey, and they have a lot of rookies that are playing well. And I think the Kane DeBrinket Suter line is something to look forward to, and and is something that you didn't really see do well last year as a whole. Just they weren't kind of fun. They were meh. And, you know, there's still a team without Kirby Doc and without Jonathan Taves. So, you know, there's hopefully a lot to look forward to when those guys are back and and healthy. Um, and, and I think that's exciting. And, you know, there's been a lot of articles written about how the team was all checked out last year. And now they're all bought in this year. I don't know what changed, but I'm glad they're all on the same page and understanding what's going on. Uh, and it's it's fun. Some, I mean, you know. It's a cold, cold winter, so at least to have something something fun to watch on the ice is good. Uh, as far as what's frustrating to me, um, I know it's probably not the biggest deal anymore, but it's, it's what we talked about earlier in the year of just how they let uh, Crawford go in the way that they did. And I know he ended up retiring and isn't playing for anybody else, but just the way they did it kind of rubbed me the wrong way of how it, it, it they just kind of were really ready to move on, didn't really offer him much of a chance to come back and this is a team that you know is as good as they were and are because of him and to kind of treat a guy like that on his way out was was difficult to watch i'm sure it'll be mended and after a few a few cocktails they'll be fine but for when it went when it happened it wasn't the prettiest thing so that's what was frustrating to me but hopefully you know when they have their reunions they'll be fine because if you think about it it's already you know 10 years since the first one which is insane Maybe they jump on our podcast right now this second and, and mend those hearts, right? Or, or jump on the Valentine's Day edition. Do, do we got them on? Do we got them? Let's look at all the producers we have. Yeah, no, all of them. <laughs> no, they're not. They're not jumping on. All right. Well, Joey, that takes us to the lakefront. The Chicago Bears. I know you're going to hate my answers. You're gonna, you might hate one of them. Um, I'm just going to jump to what I hate. I hate, hate, hate how that end-of-the-year press conference went, right? With McCaskey and Phillips, 
how awful it was, how it only made things worse. And you hate to say it, but if there's one thing they kind of won at with that is you're always talking about when can we hear from McCaskey? When can we hear from Phillips? Is Phillips even, you know, in charge of making any of these moves? Like, let's hear from them. What's going on? Then you finally hear from them, and it's let's never hear from them again if that's what they're going to like. It was just crap. So the expectations they set forward, the way that it was just full of one contradiction after another, one contradictory statement on and on and on, and how it was just you're saying one thing but doing a complete other, and that's what the direction of the team is. The direction of the team is just a gigantic contradiction. That's awful. (laughs) right because those are the guys at the very very top who are running the show and the show is being run in a giant contradiction at least from what they're saying right we can only go by what they're legitimately coming out and telling us absolutely hated that and for that reason i hate to say it joey there's nothing i love about the chicago beers right now there is nothing i don't love a damn thing about chicago beers football the defense is pretty fun Still, right, they're, they're, they're an aging unit, but a good unit nonetheless. We finally had not a lot of kicking woes this year. Kicking game actually a plus, you know, in my book, and I'm sure in many others, offensively was bleh, right? And other than that, there's nothing that I love. No, I don't love anything about Chicago Bears football. There's a few things I like, but I am not in love with a damn thing. So for that, for that reason... I'm going to, I guess, well, no, I, I'm going to give an answer. That The, the answer is nothing. So what I hate, I hate the end-of-the-year press conference and the somewhat direction they said they were going down, which was just a big contradiction. Love, nothing. Shots fired from Dan Collins. Love, nothing. Love, Dan. Uh, I'm going to have to agree with you on that presser. That's where I kind of draw my frustration with, but and more so that they used the damn six-game losing streak to justify bringing everybody back. Like, that's still the most illogical, like, incomprehensible thing I've ever heard in my life. We lost six in a row. What are we going to do? Bring it all back now. Like, it makes no sense. Zero. So, and, and it's almost disrespectful to the fans if, like, they think they're, like, you know, they're not smarter than us. We saw what we saw. And for them to say that was very insulting. So to me, that's what's frustrating. Am I still going to hopefully be there in September when fans are allowed back? Yes, because I'm nuts. But it still pissed me off when that happened. And what I love, I will find one thing, but the problem is what I love may be leaving me, and that is Alan Robinson. And I think that's a guy that is ridiculously underappreciated by the Bears and by the league, and the fact that he never got a contract extension while he was here is beyond me. But is a guy that's a premier wide right receiver that just happens to have been saddled with Blake Bortles and Mitch Trubisky for his first two teams, right? And so I think that's a guy that is really undervalued and is really, you know, deserving of some love on an offense that broke, frankly, this year. And I, I think, you know, it would be a mistake if we let him go. I hope they bring him back. But if anything, I can look fondly on what he did and and put my one positive mark on the Bears to Number 12, Allen Robinson, uh, at least for last the last couple of years. What happens in the future with this silly team? I have no idea, and we'll spend many an hour talking about it, but that's at least where I can put some positivity uh, on the team on the lakefront. 
There you go. All right. Yeah, well, just just nothing but a bunch of nasty chocolates and the and the little heart shaped box is what is what the Chicago Bears gave me as a fan this year. It was just it was just crap. We're tossing those, not the chocolate. Like get get this out of here. Um. Well, all right. That 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 puts a Valentine's Day bow on the show, huh, Joey? What we love, what we hate. Hope all the lovely listeners out there enjoyed that special edition of the podcast more coming up uh, as we get down the week we'll have another show for you as always um when we come at you maybe a special edition show maybe not we'll we'll get together joey and see exactly what we give the fans next but until then he's joey gelman who you could find on twitter at joey gelman i'm dan collins who you could find on twitter as well at tweet dan collins you could find this lovely podcast there at believe in chicago and as always we're brought to you by the believe podcast network the number one network for professionals. We'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.